Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I am so happy to have joining me Melissa Morrison. So Melissa sustained a concussion a number of years ago, and I really wanted to get her story out there because so often people think, oh, it's just a knock on the head, or maybe you got your bell rung, or when you have a concussion, you know it because you're seeing double vision, you lose consciousness, you're nauseous. People have to wake you up in the middle of the night to make sure you're okay. And in Melissa's case, none of that happened. She didn't have any of those symptoms. She didn't lose consciousness. She wasn't nauseous. She wasn't vomiting. She didn't have to have someone wake her up every couple of hours in the middle of the night. And yet her symptoms appeared. And I'll, I'll wait for the podcast here so she can tell her story properly, but it is unbelievable. So in this episode, you'll hear her story of when she first sustained this concussion and how over the years, that's right, I said years, she had to completely change her life in order to live with this concussion. So we talked about how those symptoms impacted her daily life her experience with medical providers following her concussion, and she went through a couple of PTs, um, why Melissa became a life coach and began her work with traumatic brain injury survivors, and what happened when she found neurosculpting, and we talk about what that is. So, I, I mean, her story, it sounds unbelievable, but it happened. It's real, and I think it's super important to be shedding light onto concussion victims and concussion survivors because it is a traumatic brain injury. Not everyone is the same. Not everyone has the same symptoms. And I think Melissa's story will be so informative and inspirational for anyone out there listening. So everybody, please enjoy this episode with Melissa Morrison. Hey, Melissa, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. And today, like I said in the intro, today we're going to be talking about what it's like living with a concussion. So as a medical professional, oftentimes we may see patients with a concussion, but it's if, if you've never had or never experienced it, it's hard to know what's going through the minds of people who have. So I'm so happy for you uh, to have you come on and share your experience. So all I'll say to you is I will hand over the interview to you and just give us an overview as to what happened and how you sustained the concussion. Okay. So I've had five different concussions um, over my lifetime. And so my last one I had that was the worst was in April of 2012. I was playing in a recreational softball league, one of the slow pitch softball leagues. I was playing first base and there was a runner on first, the batter hit the ball, and they went to throw a double play, but um, the runner was already past the base at first, and so I really didn't think they were going to be throwing the ball to me, so I wasn't really paying attention, and then the ball ended up coming my way. 
I saw it at the last second, so it was enough to put my glove up, but it still tipped off my glove and hit me right between the eyes. You know, it was really hard for me. I, so I didn't lose consciousness. I actually stayed in the game. They did take me out at the end of the inning, but, you know, I didn't know anything about concussions. Even though I had other ones prior, I really didn't have symptoms. So no one else really knew about head injuries. I went home that night. I went to work in the morning, even though I was already feeling headaches. I was foggy. I was really out of it. And it wasn't until I was one of the first people in the office. I had a coworker come over to me and started talking to me. And it sounded like she was screaming in my ear. That's whenever I realized there was something really going on. Um, I didn't know that sensitivity to sound was a symptom of concussion. And, you know, eventually then I, I did leave work and I went to the hospital and that's where they diagnosed me with concussion. And the thing, the thing that's amazing to me is I think a lot of people would do the same thing that you did. You just kind of shrug it off. You didn't lose consciousness. So you got like, what are these? They got your, your bell rung or you took a good knock to the head, but you don't think people don't think anything of that. So the next morning to have that sensitivity to sound and feeling foggy and things like that, I think they're really important descriptions because if people are feeling that, then, you know, it's something to start paying attention to, right? It was. It wasn't really until the sound is whenever I really was like, what is this? Because, um, you know, I, I'm stubborn. I admit that. And, it, you know, a lot of people are if, you know, they're playing sports or any kind of exercise like that. And if it's, I didn't think it was that bad. It was something that I thought would just go away in a, a day or two. And I would just be able to go to work and be okay with it. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until that, that I really, there was, must be something else going on here. Um, yeah. And so you go to the hospital, you get diagnosed and then what happens? And then they sent me home. Um, and so that's why I figured it might, it must not be that bad. Um, they did a CT and an MRI. And for most concussion patients, unless there's bleeding in the brain, they usually come out okay. Um, and I didn't know that at the time. Um, and so to me, you know, if you go to the doctor and tests are okay, then, you know, you must be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was one of the first things that kind of steered me in a different direction of um, thinking I was okay when I really wasn't as, as well as I thought I was. And so how long then after so they send you home and then did your symptoms begin to get worse? They did get worse. I, so I did go to my primary care physician. They sent me to a neurologist, but I was noticing my headaches were still really bad. Um, I, was, I was dizzy. I couldn't really do too much. I've, I was, you know, even bending over and standing up, I would almost fall over. And just my fatigue. I was getting really tired. And it was just a lot of symptoms I just didn't realize all came along with a concussion. Um, Right. So I think all of these in isolation is one thing. But when you put them all together into one package, it's a totally different story. Yeah. And another thing I was noticing was um, I was having a hard time even completing sentences. And coming up with words to say, to even complete a sentence itself. I felt like it was more of a broken English. 
Uh, I noticed that whenever I was at work that morning, the next day after um, I got hit in the head. And what about things like difficulty concentrating? Um, I, I know oftentimes when people are worried about a concussion, they're worried about people getting like nauseous or feeling sick. Did you have any of those types of symptoms? I didn't have any nausea. And, you know, those are like the main symptoms that you hear about. And I exactly, did, yeah, exactly. I didn't have those. Um, I did have trouble focusing in my attention. A lot of the executive functions I was having just problems with um, processing my thoughts and being able to say, you know, exactly what was going on in my head. Any vision issues or things like that? I did. I had, I was very sensitive to light. For a while, I would wear sunglasses inside just to try to minimize it. Um, I eventually did see a vision therapist, so I got proper sunglasses to wear inside. Um, so I did wear sunglasses inside for about four years after my injury happened. Okay, so now let's let's take a look at this timeline. So this injury happened in 2012, right? Yes. Um, you're immediately feeling these symptoms. How long then was it before you got into the vision therapist, the physical therapist, occupational, speech? I don't even know if you did all of those things. But what <laughs> is it? Can you kind of give us the timeline because it's 2017? Yeah. Right. So the timeline was that June, so it would have been. May, June. So two months after my initial, my injury, I got into a program where they had speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, and a neuropsychologist that I saw. And I did that for three months um, before they discharged me. And then at that point of discharge, were you then fine? In their minds, they thought I was. <laughs> I think we know the answer to that question. Yes, <laughs> but no, I was not. I wasn't even close. Um, I was trying to go back to work, but my work, I was working at a CPA firm and they didn't, they only wanted me to come back full time. And I was having a hard time even being on a computer at all, let alone, um, I was even having trouble just doing simple math problems. And you know, I majored in accounting. So not being able to just do multiplication was, you know, really hard on me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very frustrating. Mm -hmm. You know, what happened? Do you stay at work? Do you leave? What are, what are the sort of cascade of events that happened? Well, that summer I went on short-term disability and then eventually um, went and tried to get long-term disability from my work. Okay. So, you know, here we're talking, I just want to, I hate to belabor this point, but we're talking about a hit to the head where no loss of consciousness, no traditional quote unquote signs of the concussion that we kind of all hear about in media and things like that. But now we're three, four, five months later, there's still obviously a lot of disability. Yeah, it wasn't getting any better. It felt like it was getting worse in instances. My fatigue was so bad that I would sleep probably 16 to 18 hours a day. I had a hard time even going to the grocery store to, you know, just pick up the minor things and um, the overstimulation, the lights, seeing all the food on all the shelves, people moving around. It was just so overwhelming that 
you know, I would come home and just sleep the rest of the day. So it was, I was having a hard time even just, you know, doing the, the basic necessities of life. So like I said, we're at 2017, right? So here maybe we're at 2012, 2013 at this point, right? Yeah. Quite a long time ago. So what was the turning point then for you that got you on a, on a path or to somewhat of a recovery? I would say it was a little over a year later. At this point, um, I, was, I was having a headache 24-7. It was so hard on me, and it took me to my fifth physical therapist. When I finally found her is whenever things started to change. It was, and what, what did she do differently? She did cranial sacral therapy. And it was just something different. Whenever she looked at me, she could look at me just sitting in the chair as she was doing the evaluation. And she knew that I had whiplash from my concussion over a year ago. My body was still stuck in that same position with my arm up in the air, having my shoulder forward like I was catching a ball. And just having her work on me, even after just one time, my headache started to dissipate. And I knew that there was actually a chance after this that maybe I can heal. <laughs> yeah, and that what a great feeling that is when you find the right person, you know. And I'm sure it was her demeanor, the way she listened, the you know what I mean. It's it's everything. It was probably, everything, right? Yeah, it's like she understood what I was going through. She had worked with other people that had gone through similar. You know, she really listened to what was going on. And that was one of the problems before that. It felt like I wasn't being listened to. And, and how frustrating is that? And I think, you know, I was at a course this past weekend and I went to a talk on concussion with Jess Schwartz, who hopefully you'll be on her podcast soon as well. She talked about what are some myths of concussions. And one of them is you look okay. Exactly. I, I did not even... If you looked at me the next day or a week after that, I did not have one bruise on my face. My eyes, I didn't have black eyes. I didn't have a black and blue mark on in between my, you know, between my eyes, my nose, like I had no swelling, nothing. So that was one of the hardest things because until I talked or walked, you know, one would have a clue that there was anything else going on. And that was hard for me to even look in the mirror and not see anything because it's it's a lot easier when someone has a broken leg to be able to see them, you know, having a hard time walking around and um, to be able to help them out. But whenever you can't see anything physically, yeah. it's, it's harder. It's very hard. And, and, you know, I think it's interesting, something you just said, that even when you yourself looked in the mirror, you were like, I don't, I don't understand. Is that what it was like? Did you feel like, well, I can look at myself and I feel okay. So I don't understand why this is happening. Yeah. There was a disconnect. Cause I was like, am I really feeling all of this? Because a lot of other people weren't believing how bad it was for me. And so I was like, well, if no one else is really believing I'm this bad, am I going crazy? Like, you know, cause I don't see anything wrong with me. It's just what I feel. Um, so yeah, it was, it was hard not you know, having that disconnect of what I felt and what I saw in the mirror. You try and explain to people what's going on and they don't really believe you. And not to mention we're women. So women are less likely to be believed when we're having pain or having medical issues. And 
now that you're kind of somewhat on the other end of that, looking back on it, was there anything that you would have changed or maybe you would have said differently to express yourself to medical professionals at that time? You know, it's, it's hard going back because I think one of the biggest things was that I was really stubborn about it. I just wanted to get back to what I was doing beforehand. And it, it's hard to go and change your mindset of how you were, you know, thinking back yeah. 2020. Um, I probably would have been more open of what was going on symptom wise. I tried to hide a lot of it to make it look like I was better. So maybe I could trick my mind into getting better but it wasn't working and it kind of just set me back even more because I tried to do more than I should have. You know, I wanted, I just wanted to get back to running. And so I would go out and try to run, even though there was no way that I could, I would be on the treadmill holding the sides of the treadmill. So I wouldn't get too dizzy and fall over. Um, so there was just, you know, I wouldn't have pushed myself as much and it would have been more open about what was going on. Yeah. And I think that's great advice. So for anyone listening who maybe is going through symptoms or diagnoses like a concussion or a, a traumatic brain injury where you can't see the injury, it's really important to be as open as you possibly can with any medical professional that you're talking to, because we don't know what's going on. We don't know what you're feeling. That being said, it's up to the medical professional to create the environment for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it feels safe enough to be able to be open and, and honest about everything that's going on. And, and in your experience, so you said you found that fifth physical therapist and you felt the tide change for you. What sort of things, if you can remember, did she do differently than maybe the therapist before her to create that safe environment for you? And I'm sure you're aware of this, you know, working in physical therapy is just Sometimes there's just so many patients coming in that I feel like I'm just another number or an appointment. I think that was the difference. Even though this lady still had many patients coming in and out, she actually really took the time to sit down with me. She, actually, she had a form with all the different questions that she sat down and went through it with me because she, know, she knew I was having a hard time really understanding and processing everything because um, it took me probably five times as long to process something that people were asking me then, um, than pre-injury or even right now in, you know, in 2017 at this time, you know, really just taking the time and realizing that I am a person here with a concussion, not just, you know, another patient coming through the door. Right. You're a person with a concussion, not a concussion patient. Exactly. It's a big difference, right? Just yeah. that little change. Well, you know, it sounds like she took the time, she was present, and she understood some of the difficulties you were having and tried to make it a little bit easier on you, right? Makes yes. a huge difference. That's, that's a huge difference. Well, I'm glad that you found that therapist. What else did you do that kind of helped to take you through to where you are today? One of the things that really helped mentally, and because I first got denied for long-term disability, and then I had to get, a, I got a neuropsychological test done. And I was really hesitant about getting that done. Um, but whenever I did, that was validation for me and everyone else around me because it showed exactly the symptoms that I was feeling. And so that really helped moving forward as well because I feel like if you're in a bad place mentally, it's 
harder to really want to push forward to heal yourself. Yeah, there's no question. You need to have some internal motivation. Mm-hmm. And if you are feeling like you're crazy and yeah. these symptoms aren't really happening, not very motivating internally to get yourself better, right? Yeah. So you, you're no longer working as an accountant. What, what came next? I knew I didn't like my job even while I was working at it. Um, I actually had told my boss the year before that I hated accounting, auditing. And so while I was not working, you know, healing from my brain injury, going to all my different therapists, I knew that this was my opportunity to kind of take advantage of this time off, that I could really figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so I enrolled myself into a women's leadership program. You know, it kind of worked on like finding what your callings are in life. And that's whenever I figured out that I wanted to become a life coach. I knew it was going to be hard because I was still sleeping at least half of the day. And, you know, going to my therapist, you know, probably I was going once a week. And so I had like at least three therapists at the time going to those appointments but I decided to enroll myself in a coaching training program to get certified as a life coach. And what program did you enroll in? It was the Coaches Training Institute. There, uh, it's a global coaches, you know, training certification program. Um, I live in Washington D.C., and so they had one in Washington D.C. And it was nice because the classes were on the weekends, so it would be once a month, three days. And I knew it was going to be a big challenge for me to be able to pay attention the whole time. Yeah. How did <laughs> you the lights around? You yeah, know, just how did you manage that? It was, it was challenging. I would <laughs> looking back, I don't know how I did it. It was more of, I wanted to do it. And so I was going to do it. Um, I took breaks whenever I needed to. I wore sunglasses in the class. At that time, I still had to wear earplugs. So I wore like one earplug in my ear. Most people didn't know that I even had the earplug in. I had to be open about what was going on with my concussion with everyone, just because I felt like it was a good thing for me to be open about it so I could get what I needed. Like if I needed a break or if oh, I absolutely anything. If I just needed to step out for a bit or write down something, you know, sometimes I would just take other people's notes of what they had because I wouldn't get everything that the teachers were saying. Um, so it was, it was a challenge, but you know, I was, I was going to do it. I was determined, determined, definitely determined. So I, I always find this interesting. And I speak, I've spoken to a lot of people who've had kind of traumatic injuries and these injuries sort of change, not just them physically, but they change the trajectory of their life. If you didn't have this concussion, do you feel like you would have quit your job and become a life coach? No. <laughs> I might have, I would say maybe like 10 years down the road, but it wouldn't have happened as quickly as it did. Um, it kind of shoved me into the direction of my life I feel like that I was supposed to be in, what I'm doing now. So that's what I always say. It was my having this concussion was my wake up call from the universe of, you know, really helping me find what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And so now I know that you 
work with other people with brain injuries and you also speak to health practitioners like physical therapists about uh, what it's like living with a brain injury and with a concussion. So what is, if you can condense your talks into a couple of like bullet points when you're talking with the medical professional, because there's a lot of PTs and, and medical professionals that listen to this podcast, what are, what are some bullet points for us to, to remember when working with someone with a concussion or traumatic brain injury? One of the, probably the biggest is to really slow down and listen because a lot of times the processing of the person with a concussion is slower than it was prior to. So that would probably be the, the biggest one. I always say this, um, and believe them. I was just going to say that. <laughs> believe, believe them. Believe what they're saying. You know, because as we were talking about before, it might not look like there's anything going on because there's no physical symptoms or they look fine. But the biggest thing is believing what they say because yeah. I would have loved to have been able to go back to work and be running and anything like I was not going to make up any of the symptoms that I had going on. You know, if I could have had any of them get better faster or go away, I would. So, um, so that would be the second thing that I said, just believe, believe what they're saying. Yeah. So slow down, listen, believe them. Now you're working as a life coach and let's talk about uh, another certification that you got through, and it's neurosculpting. So I've looked on the website, and I have to say it seems very interesting. It seems like a very, maybe very powerful way of meditation. And I think you don't have to be a neurologist in order to be able to be proficient in this, right? Exactly. Yeah. Anyone. So explain, yeah. Explain a little bit about what that is and how it helped you. Okay. So I, probably after about three years, I sort of hit a plateau in my healing. Um, and I really wasn't sure where I, if I was going to continue healing more or what I was going to, you know, I thought I was just going to be stuck in this, this spot for the rest of my life. So I started doing a lot of research on neuroscience. I was really interested in learning about the brain. And this, that's whenever I stumbled across neurosculpting. Because at that point, there was a lot of research was starting to come out about the, um, you know, scientific studies about meditation and how it changes the brain and the way it's wired. And I was also doing a lot of research on nutrition. And there's also a component of neurosculpting dealing with nutrition. And so whenever I found this, you know, it was like, oh, this is really interesting. I want to try this out. So I started taking some classes and I noticed, I started noticing how I was starting to change not only some of my physical symptoms, but also mentally. Because um, at the time I was, you know, I was dealing with anxiety. I was on anxiety medication. I was still having headaches here and there. So I was on headache medicine. Um, but within 10 months of doing the neurosculpting, I was off all of my medication, which was one of the biggest things because I did not want to be on medication. Um, and my fatigue started going down. I didn't have to take daily naps. You know, before I would take like one to two naps a day and I didn't have to take naps anymore. Um, within a year, I didn't have to wear sunglasses inside anymore. To me, that was one of the biggest things besides the fatigue. Um, 
because it was so hard just you know everyone looks at you well yeah <laughs> wearing around the sunglasses having just to worry about point. you know it's it was that was nice to not have to carry those around um you know it was like my processing was getting better my focus and attention because it really works on rewiring and building up the prefrontal cortex part of the brain so it was helping a lot of my executive functions that were still sort of lagging behind um you know after my therapies that so it, it really gave a boost you know off that plateau where i thought i was going to be stuck for the rest of my life so it was like my gosh i always say it was like neurosculpting was like life-changing for me because it was just oh my gosh it kind of just fell in my lap and here i am like never thought i would get to where i am right now yeah and, and again here you are five years later right so yeah. i think for for people working with people with concussions it's important to note that it's a marathon not a sprint definitely you know? these are our patients that you want to be patient with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even myself as a physical therapist and growing up here, oh, they got a concussion. Oh, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, whatever. It's just, it's just a concussion. Yeah. Right. I'm sure you've heard that a lot. Oh, I thought you just had a concussion. Exactly. Even my neurologists, <laughs> which yeah. is hard to say. Right, but. right. And, yeah. and I think the bottom line here is there's no such thing as just a concussion because just a concussion, quote unquote, is a traumatic brain injury. And I think speaking with you, I hope that people listening and medical professionals listening now know that this is, it's been five years, right? Yeah. And it sounds to me like just a year ago, you were able to drop the sunglasses and start to feel, is that right? Is that about right? Yeah, it was about a year ago yeah and that's that's amazing that's four years later for someone who never passed out who didn't have a goose egg on her head or anything like that so i i really appreciate your sharing that story and i just know that the people listening to this podcast will get a lot out of it because we learn so much from our patients and so much from people who have gone through things that you know we haven't gone through so thank you so much for sharing yeah, you're welcome. I know that's one of my things is never give up because, you know, if I would have given up, I wouldn't be at the place where I am right now. Um, you know, because there were times where I didn't think I would get better, but, um, you know, keep pushing forward and you could definitely get there. Yeah. See, that stubbornness you had in the beginning is paying <laughs> off now, right? It is paying <laughs> off. Absolutely. So, you know, thankful that I have it. Yes, exactly. Now, um, before we end today, uh, I ask everyone the same question, and that is knowing where you are today in your life and in your career, what advice would you give yourself as a new graduate from college? Yeah, that I would give to me. So I, because I obviously it took a head injury for me to finally change and do something that I love doing. So if you don't love getting up every day and do what you do, then really invest in yourself to find what makes you excited to wake up every morning. Beautiful advice, I love it. Now, where can people find you? So if people have questions, they wanna know more about you, where can they find you? My website is www.melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A-S, 
Morrison, M-O-R-R-I-S-O-N.com. Or they can email me at Melissa at Melissa S. Morrison.com. Yeah. I also just wrote a book. I know we didn't. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my book, Unstick Your Stuck, came out this past May. Um, it's available on Amazon. Um, so, you know, anyone listening, if they want a free copy, feel free to send me an email. I would love to to send them a free That's copy. That's awesome. Yeah, so. And And is this Unstick Your Stuck have to do with a lot of what we talked about today, kind of your story and what got you to where you are? It does. It talks a lot about, you know, what happened having this concussion be my wake up call. And so it helped me really find what I'd love, um, you know, what I'm really passionate about doing now and help other people go through the same process so they can find something that they, they're really passionate about as well. Right. Without having a concussion as the impetus to do so, right? Exactly. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So get the book, people. So much easier. So, um, yes. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on and being brave enough to share your story. I very, very much appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me on. I, I, I loved it. It was great. Thanks. Good. Anytime. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. All of the information we talked about today will be on the website under this uh, episode at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.